It's the Ronnie James Dio-influenced group uh, effort. Stars here in aid with We're Stars. Were you a fan of it when it came out? Well, you know what? Um, We're going to talk about that because, uh, believe it or not, it is 35 years old. Today? Well, this, this year. Okay. Wow. Jesus. So I, I ran across an article uh, called Remembering Hearing Aid Stars, The Forgotten We Are the World of the 80s Metal. Sure. And uh, this was a interview or a commentary by um, with uh, Wendy Dio, okay. Mark Weiss, the f- photographer. Sure. And uh, the uh, gal who sort of arranged this whole thing. Right. And uh, they kind of tell their whole story about uh, the behind the scenes of the whole stars thing. Okay. And it was a lot of stuff I I didn't realize that it was so maligned. Really? I had no idea. I thought it was well accepted. It was not well accepted. No kidding. I did not know this. I didn't know it either. I thought it was pretty popular, but apparently it was not. And they had to jump through a lot of hoops to actually get this thing finally released and accepted as a, um, as a contribution from the quote unquote, the metal world. No kidding. Yeah. I had no idea with I, all those people and they still had trouble getting it out. They huh? did. Oh shit. Yep. Did not notice. So here we go. The years 1984 and 1985 marked the golden age of music charity initiatives with the Boomtown rats, Bob Geldorf, First organizing the British New Wave All-Star Single Band Aid, Do They Know It's Christmas? Yeah. To benefit the African uh, Famine Relief, followed by Quincy Jones and Lionel Richie and Michael Jackson's Assembling USA for Africa, the the Grammy-winning We Are the World. Mm -hmm. Artists from both singles then performed at Geldof's Global Live Aid concert in July of 85. And right. soon everyone was pitching in. But, sure. But one superstar effort that strangely tends to be overlooked when looking back at this charitable era is the heavy metal community contributions of Heron, Here and Aid stars. I had no idea that that was, I thought it was huge. No, it was not. Now, the one that's overlooked is the one the Canadians did. What was that called? I don't recall. Remember Northern, was it Northern Lights? Wasn't there one called Northern Lights? It was like a bunch of Canadian boobs. <laughs> well, it got overlooked because I don't remember it. <laughs> I don't remember. I, I re- vaguely remember. I'm looking it up now. Even the internet doesn't remember it, but let's see. Canadian. Canadian, we are the world. That'll come up. Tears are not enough by Northern Lights. There okay, it is. I I I just don't remember that. Look that up real quick. Let's give let's give the fans a sample before you go to, before you go too far here. What is it called? Tears are not enough by Northern Lights. Tears are not enough. Not enough. Okay. Looking up to see who all played on this fucking jewel. Oh, listen to this lineup. Tears are not enough. Northern Lights. Gordon Lightfoot, okay. Burt Cummings, mm-hmm. Ann Murray, Joni Mitchell, 
Dan Hill, Neil Young, Brian Adams, Corey Hart, Bruce Cockburn, Getty Lee, and Mike Reno. Well, they are all Canadians. And then in the those are the singers. And then in the chorus, you've got, I don't know any of these fucking people. Lionel Boyd, John Candy. John Candy throwing his voice in well, there. Well, he was a Canadian. Yeah. Tom Cochran. Uh, Tommy Hunter, Martha Johnson, Eugene Levy. Really? Okay, comedians. <laughs> yeah. Dean McTaggart, Frank Mills, Kim Mitchell kick it in. Okay. Uh, Bruce Murray, Oscar Peterson, Paul Schaefer, Graham Shaw, Gene Cyberry, Leroy Sibbles. Have you heard of any of these folks? No, no I'm not familiar with them at all. Ian Thomas, Sylvia Tyson, Barry Harris, Catherine O'Hara from Beetlejuice. She was the mom in Beetlejuice. Well, she she also was in that Shit's Creek. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she was the mom in Home Alone. That's right. Yep. All right. So she had some play. Um, our good friend um, Corey from um, Uncontrolled Noise. His favorite artist was on this Andy Kim. You know who did Rock Me Gently? Yeah, Rock Me Slowly. <laughs> yeah. Take it easy. Don't you know? And then Wayne St. John. And that's um and then the, the musicians or the the instrumentation and production, David Foster, Jim Jim Valiance, Paul Dean of Loverboy on guitar. So you know it rocks. Doug Johnson of Loverboy on synthesizer. Stephen De- Denro on French horn. French horn. <laughs> David Sinclair on acoustic guitar. Hayward Parrot. Jeff Turner, Bob Rock, and Humberto Gattaca. Yeah, Humberto Gattaca. He worked with Chicago. So those are the um, engineers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't remember this at all, do you? I don't. Uh, You know, again, I I know that, you know, obviously David Foster was a huge name in the 80s. He was responsible for engineering the comeback of the band Chicago. Sure. Sure. Give, give us a little of this. Let's 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 take a let's take a trip down um, tribute tribute band or charity band lane because I have another one that we can play too. All right, I'm playing this one. Well, what does Jericho Green call Canada? They call it the Hat of America. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Hat of the U.S. I again, I I don't remember this at all. Yeah, I remember it very. I mean, I I know some of the players. Obviously, you know. Uh, uh, Brian Adams, yeah, and stuff like yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Getty Lee, of course, and and Mike Reno, and and um, <laughs> Schaefer from uh, David Letterman's band. Dude, you know why you don't remember this? Play it, and you'll find out. You know Gordon Lightfoot, of course. But even with all that talent in there, this stinks. <laughs> okay, all right, here we go. Nineteen eighty-five. Okay. Yep. All right. Ethiopia, famine is along each road and at the gates of every town. It's feared close to a million could die within months unless the world responds with a massive relief effort. As every day goes by, how can we close our eyes until we open up our hearts? Well, this this thing definitely has the David Foster touch. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you can hear Chicago's, uh, Chicago 16 and 17 in this music immediately. Who knew that the lover boy guy could sound that good on keys? Yeah. But, but this is definitely a David Foster engineered thing. Oh, of course you, you can definitely hear the influence. But are you picking up already that it stinks? Yeah, it's not that good. It's not terrible. Right from the moment that we start. Seems like overnight we see the world in a different light. Somehow our innocence is lost. Never heard this once. Come on, get your hands in the air, Neely. Tears are not enough. Apparently not. <laughs> are you want to keep on with this one or you want to go to another one? Well, we'll play a little bit more, but I- I'm watching this video. This is literally the first time I ever heard of this. <laughs> I remember it. You do again, it's that sickness that I had of liking all kinds of music. I remember this distinctly. And and because I what I remember most is that they were they were somehow annoyed that they weren't that a lot of these guys were not included in live aid. Okay. Well, and, and again, this, you will find out a little bit more about this hearing aid because yeah. a lot of those people too, were really annoyed that they weren't included either. Uh, I'm, I'm sure. All right, here we go. I had no idea Corey Hart was Canadian. <laughs> he should have put those sunglasses on and hit his head in shame. Yeah, I, I didn't know he was Canadian. Oh, yeah, he's Canadian. I, I didn't know because, because in, and as much as I know you don't care for him, I actually liked Corey Hart. I, I, owned I, like, a, I actually owned a couple of his CDs. I've seen him perform live. Thank you. I saw him perform live in 84 or five, whatever, whenever the sunglasses at night, yeah. was him, him and the romantics. Um, <laughs> Talk, and I saw the show live. In, talking in my sleep. Yeah. And I, I was a big fan. I hated sunglasses at night, but I loved never surrender. Yeah. Big fan of never surrender. Yeah. That was a good one. I don't know any of the other songs, but yeah, I, I, I owned, I owned a couple CDs, boy in a box. Was it, was that the one with, was that the big one? Yeah, I think that was his big hit, but yeah, I, I owned a couple of Corey Hart CDs. I, I kind of dug him a little bit. Yeah, I don't hate Corey Hart. I just, he just fizzled out as quick as he oh, came Oh, he up. did. He, he definitely did not, uh, last out the eighties. No, definitely not.
Getty Lee there. Getty Lee checking in. Yeah, he's he's like giving it his all, man. <laughs> he's pouring it in for that one line that he has, I think, in the song. Well, you know what's really funny? What I notice about some of these uh, people that performed. Yeah. And and I'm guilty of this as well because I I fell into the whole trap as well. Mm-hmm. But some of these people, um, whether it's Steve Perry or whether it's uh, Getty Lee or uh, you know, and any of these rockers, everybody went with the permed hair. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know <laughs> that that was the whole thing. You know, I I did it. I I'll admit it. I did you it. Had a perm? Oh yeah. Dude, you have to provide photos. Oh, of that. I have a, I have a photo. I have photos. I must see the photos of you with a perm. Oh, yeah. In fact, I may have one on my phone. I'll, I'll shoot it over to you and you can post it if you want to. All right. I must see this immediately. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that was that was the thing. Oh, yeah. Everybody did that. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm looking at uh, Neil Young here. Yeah. Holy shit. Does he look like a, I'm not really sure what, what he, he almost looks like a hell's angel or something <laughs> in this video. <laughs> it's funny because I can't believe that somehow I missed this. I, I yeah. know nothing about this at all. I, this is the first time I'm watching this. I'm just like, holy shit. I know most of those people. In this video, but I, I didn't know that they did anything like this. Dude, 1985, everything was everything was a charity. They had this one, We Are the World was that year. Um, Hearing Aid was that year. Um, the next one I'm going to share with you in a minute was that year. There's a bunch of them. All right. All right. Well, what's the next one? The next one was Artists United Against Apartheid. They had the song Sun City. Oh, I, I did know I did know about that. Yeah, with, with little Steven. Yeah, I did know that about that. And the only reason I knew about that is yeah. that uh um uh, Bob Bobcat Goldwaith kinda go, kinda goofed no, he kinda goofed on it in one of his HBO specials. <laughs> right. And he actually put a bandana on his head and he was wearing it like little Steven. <laughs> and he was just like, Ain't gonna go to Sun City. I said, ah, 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 ah. so what's this thing called? It's the song is called Sun City. The band is called Artists United Against Apartheid. Yeah. And this one features, while you're looking it up, it features DJ Cool Herc, Grandmaster Melly Mel. Who? <laughs> exactly. Ruben Blades, Bob Dylan. Pat Benatar, Herbie Hancock, Ringo Starr, Zach Starkey, Lou Reed, Run DMC, wow, Peter Gabriel, Bob Geldof, Clarence Clemens, David Ruffin checking in right before he checked out. Uh, Eddie Kendricks was on this. Uh, Darlene Love, Bobby Womack, Africa Bombada, Curtis Blow, the Fat Boys. Uh, Jackson Brown, Daryl Hannah. I guess Jackson beat her into fucking showing up. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Peter Wolf. Yeah. Um, 
the the Messiah himself, Bono, checked in. All right. George Clinton, Keith Richards, Ronnie Moon, Bonnie Raitt, Paul and Oates, Jimmy Cliff, Big Youth, Michael Monroe. Our good friend Michael Monroe was on this one. How about that? Stiv Baders, um, Peter Garrick, Ron Carter, Ray Barreto, Gil Scott Heron, Nola Hendricks, Kashif, Ka- I don't know who that is, Lodi Golden, some name I'm not even going to try, and Joey Ramone. All right. So there you go. A lot of, a lot of libtards there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. I, All right. Like this, I, I do recall this. That, that, that I, I, I can't say that I know it very well, but I recall it existence. <laughs> it's, it, I like this song. Actually. All right. All right. I, I don't know this at all, but we'll play some. All right. Sun City is the showplace of Baputitswana, one of the so-called independent homelands where South African blacks have been relocated. It's a lavish resort where you can relax and enjoy some of the world's headline entertainers. It's part of the reality of apartheid. Some run DMC action there. They're kicking it in, man. Yeah. Old school. <laughs> yeah, kicking the wall down. All right. Back then, that was school. It wasn't old school then. It was just school. Right. Gonna play Sun City. <laughs> yeah, I, I, again the <laughs> well, again the only reason I even knew about that was because uh, Bobcat Goldwaith was kind of making fun of that. Yeah, kind of joking about it. Of course, I owned it on cassette. Yeah, I I <laughs> didn't own this, but okay. And of course, me being the be, being the conscientious you know contributor that I was back then, I probably stole it from Kmart. Yeah. <laughs> You weren't supporting, man. You were just stealing. Oh, I mean, it's not good enough to support. (laughs) It was good enough to jam out to, but I'm not going to support this shit. I'm telling you, I'm listening to it now, and I'm like, wow, I remember it being a lot better than this. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Stand. What they bring to you can't focus this life. We're stabbing our brothers and sisters in the 
right, Bruce kicking in. The, the boss checking in, man. Yeah, wearing the leather, acting all tough and shit, using that using that snarling lip. Yeah. Yeah, pal. Just looking Ruffin. just looking like he means business. David Ruffin was in there too at the beginning, wasn't he? He was. Yeah, I like that. Anytime you get some real temptations into anything, I'm willing to listen. Yeah. But that that snarling Bruce though. Yeah, well, he's he's a rugged man. Yeah, you know, you know, you mean business when Bruce shows up, the boss shows up. Oh, that was 1985. You know, he was born in the USA. Of course, he was. He was standing up for Sun City. Yeah, he actually stood for brothers and sisters in the back. Yeah, he actually stood up for something that was real at that time. Yeah, how about that? I don't know about you, Chris, but uh, after hearing this, mm-hmm. I have no intention of ever playing Sun City. <laughs> this is bad enough that I might play Sun City. Well, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, dude. Yeah. When it comes to rogue governments, mm-hmm. what what are you or I gonna do about that? Well, we sure ain't gonna play Sun City, right? But but what are we gonna do about that? I mean, is there anything that you or I could possibly do? No. We could buy this record and contribute money that I'm sure got every penny got to. Yeah, I'm sure it did. Sure it did. Yeah, I don't know. Nothing. Nothing at all. They're they're savages over there. Wherever there is. I don't even know where Sun City is. That's in Africa. Oh, that whole fucking country is a fucking disaster zone. (laughs) But but again, is this a whole feel-good thing? campaign to go oh you know if i just contribute i I know that i did my part yeah i don't know i'd like to know which one of these guys singing this song ever played sun city in the first fucking place well who knows i don't see bruce springsteen going out into fucking africa to sing about um you know about going down to the river and into the river we dive at a steel he was at a you know a steel town yeah I don't see I don't see any of those songs translating well. I don't see I don't see the people that are getting their fucking limbs cut off in the in the in the jungle rocking out the glory days. Well, I'm going to assume that again, this is so long ago, this is history. I'm going to assume that Sun City, I'm going to make a comparison here. Okay? It was probably like Branson. Branson, Missouri? Yeah. They right. probably had like uh it was kind of like a tourist attraction and they probably had hotels and you know uh performance centers things like that. Okay. But outside of the outskirts of this area, it might have yeah. been very oppressed. Stay in the green zone. <laughs> yeah, for the most part. Yeah. I don't know. 
I just I, I can't see Bruce Springsteen or Pat Benatar. Can you see Pat Benatar going over to fucking Sun City, Zimbabwe, or wherever the fuck this is? <laughs> Again, this is so long ago. I, I got to kind of bone up on my history here a little bit. Yeah. But at the time, it might have been a very attractive uh, offer for these artists to go over there and perform at the performance centers. It's probably like, like Saudi Arabia is now, where they... Where like it's like a sort of modern city, and these guys can go and make an ass load of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the uh, uh, Arab Emirates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they could go over there, and because these rich oil tycoon type uh, people who own you know resorts and yeah. performance centers, they'll say, "Yeah, we're we're bringing in this talent for our captive audience." Right. But uh, but outside of the outskirts of this thing, there's a lot of debauchery going on. Yeah. It's a lot of machetes being wielded and not to cut your trees. Exactly. So I'm going, and again, I, I'm trying to picture what was going on over there because I, I really don't know. Yeah, I don't remember. But, but I think that's probably the case. Yeah. Looking at the wiki to see if it says anything about it. Sun City was a place where South African government allowed entertainment that was banned in most of the country. Okay. Right? So it was a it was an oasis, so to speak. Yeah, so so if you had money or you were a person of means, mm-hmm. you could probably go over there and be safe within a parameter, mm-hmm. but you wouldn't venture outside there because it was kind of like a wild, wild west. Yeah. Not it, too- says every, it's, it says everybody a lot of people there was an international boycott and only one band crossed the picket line would you care to guess it's a huge band you two bigger bigger rolling stones on par but no uh the who nope no really Queen. queen yeah really queen ignored the boycott and and played it anyway they took the money yeah, pal. All right. It's because Freddie Mercury needed the money for his AIDS treatments. He had his own machete he could wield. <laughs> he said, I'm I'm ignoring the doc and, uh, you know, advice. I've got the kiss of death. Yeah. Here, come and get it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, getting back to uh, Hearing which featured right. the heavy metal people. Okay. Uh, the credits list for stars, which was uh, spearheaded by the late Ronnie James Dio, reads like a who's who of 80s metal. Mm-hmm. Among the 40 rockers that gathered at Los Angeles A&M Studios 35 years ago for the historic recording sessions were Ted Nugent, Ingve Malmsteen, and members of Blue Oyster Cult, Doc and Journey, Judas Priest, Motley Crue, Night Ranger, Queens Right, Quiet Riot, Twisted Sister, Wasp, Y&T, and even Spinal Tap. Right. Who, of course, stole the show, but multiple struggles in getting the song released and getting it on the radio caused Hearing to become a footnote largely forgotten by everyone except the true metalheads. Really? That's what it says. That makes sense. However, 
The Decade That Rocked, the new coffee table book showcasing the work of legendary hard rock photographer Mark Weissguy Weiss, which I met at uh, M3 three years ago. Mm -hmm. And our good friends Red Rain, uh, he did their photographs for their uh, release. Cool. Um, He's got a new coffee table book out, which I might actually buy. Because I, I like that kind of shit. Sure. Uh, features unseen photos of those two amazing days. So this was a two-day thing. It was just a memorable, vivid occurrence in rock and roll history. Judas Priest singer Rob Halford captions one of the book's group shots. When you look at that picture and you see everybody standing there having a great time, you know it'll never happen again. There was one moment when some of these all-stars did come together again to perform Stars as an encore for Dio's concert at Southern California's Irvine Meadows Amphitheater in July 26th of 1986. And Mark Weiss was the cap was to capture that moment. So uh, Mark Weiss, uh, a very notable photographer. Uh, speaking of our good friends, Red Rain. They um they landed the spot opening up for if it happens in July, uh okay. for for Dokken and Lynch Mob. Say that again. Our good friends Red Rain, Sammy Lee, yeah. and uh-huh. Red Rain, they yeah. they have captured the opening slot for Dokken and Lynch Mob in July if it happens. July. July. Yeah. Well, you better. Don't book a plane flight. For <laughs> like I said, if it happens, uh, I can promise you one guitar player that would be involved in that is not showing up in July. All right. The commemorate the 35 year of hearing aid uh, spoke to Mark Weiss, Ronnie James Dio's widow, Wendy Dio and publicist Sharon Weiss, not uh, related. It's W E I S Z who oversaw the project stars is clearly the metal gift that keeps on giving. All right. Nice writing there. Dopey. <laughs> uh, Sharon says, um, KLOS, uh, event that sparked all of this was a radio thon for African famine relief over the weekend of February 22nd, 1985. That's when Dio band members Vivian Campbell and Jimmy Bain decided that the metal community could do something as well. Everyone was talking about we are the world and raising money for Africa. And they started talking about how there was no metal people on that record. Yeah, pal. So Wendy Dio chimes in. I think they wanted to get together with we are the world, but as musicians with that dirty nasty heavy metal people they didn't want us to do anything with them so they decided we decided to do our own thing okay mark weiss chimes in i think at that period of 1985 i went to the pmrc hearings with d snyder protesting against the stickers that the pmrc did with the record labels and so that period right there was really like we are shunned upon. 
Shun the non-believers. Shun. Shun. Shun the evil metal guys. Shun. Exactly. <laughs> there was the thing with Judas Priest, a suicide that people tried to blame on music. So I think other charity singles made a conscious decision to stay away from us because they felt that lyrically some of the artists were a little bit dark and you know they really weren't like Ozzy's suicide solution wasn't about killing yourself it was a reference to the alcohol related death of his friend Bon Scott right but anyway I think because of all the press and all the tabloids all the court cases I think they wanted the metal acts uh not to be attached okay uh, Wendy Dio says, I, I think hard rock and heavy metal has always been stigmatized by other people like, oh, no, <laughs> we don't have anything to do with you. <laughs> <laughs> Mark chimes in. We just wanted to help. Don't let us not help because of what we write about. Everybody's talking about how we want people to know that we're not bad guys and we really do want to help. I mean. There is no reason not to. Uh, Sharon, the promoter, chimes in. So the three of us, Dio, Campbell, and Bain, just started talking. And I said, so what do you, you guys want to make a record? We all went our separate ways that night. And they apparently called a few friends in the metal community and said, well, what do you think? And they called me and said, okay, we think we could get a bunch of people together and make a record. So uh, what do we do now? And they sat down that night and started writing the songs, the three of them, which which was very cool. Wendy says Ronnie was very intent. He was a uh, he had a lot in his head. He was the producer and arranger, the writer, everything. So he was kind of really steeped in the whole business mode. Ronnie being Ronnie, he was a control freak and he just took over and he took off with it. Jimmy wanted to call it hearing aid. Okay. Wendy thought we were calling it hear in aid, which sounded more serious, but we called it hear and aid like rock and roll. Okay. So they had to even uh, kind of talk about how they wanted to name this thing. <laughs> If anyone were to pull it off, I don't think anyone else was going to, but Ronnie, Ronnie was like the godfather of rock. Pretty much. He was like the big brother, maybe even like a father figure to go to a lot of these artists. So I happened to represent Lindsay Buckingham. This is the promoter talking okay. who was managed by a man named Michael Brokaw, who, who uh, worked for the music uh, manager, Ken Cregan, who worked okay. with, we are the world. So I called Michael to set up a meeting for us. I thought we wanted to meet with Ken, but Michael said, no, you want to meet with Mar Marty Raggle, Raggle, whatever, who actually okay. was the head of the USA for Africa. So we set up a meeting and Marty explained how difficult it would be to make a record. Um, and then he showed us a rough, rough video of we are the world sitting there in his office we were looking at the TV, then looking at each other, and we were left saying, okay, I think we can do this. And basically, right. Marty gave us all the vendors he gave us, uh, everybody that 
helped make the USA for Africa record. He gave us access to, otherwise we would never have done it. Marty really helped structure the foundation and steered us toward the people that had donated goods. We ended up with a half a million dollars in donated goods and services. And by the way, the black backdrop used in the studio during the recording and filming of the chorus on the first night was the black velvet stage curtains from Fleetwood Mac's Mirage Tour. Wow. (laughs) I also thought that uh, we should reach out to Bob Geldof. I reached out to Bob by way of Telex. Remember those? Telex? Telex. Yeah. (laughs) Which was how we reached out to a lot of people back then. And one morning I came into the office and the phone rang and it was Bob Geldof. He was asking a lot of questions about what we were doing and giving us his blessing, which was absolutely shocking. Well, well, Sir Bob Geldof said it was yeah. cool. Yeah. What's he doing now? Nothing. I have never heard of Bob Geldof in 30 years. Yep. He, he just disappeared. I'm sure he's probably sitting on the board of some fucking bullshit charity that nobody cares about. Yeah. But- When I told him what we were doing, he said, fucking great. I remember he told me that he was about to make a big announcement about the event that was tied to Band-Aid, which was, of course, course, the Live Aid concert. Mm -hmm. The Hearing Aid project then became my life for essentially about 18 months. It took a year and a half to get this thing put together. One song? Pretty much. Well, because because they couldn't coordinate schedules? Pretty much. I kept the diary of the entire time and used a lot of it to create the written promotional materials. The overarching vibe of my writing is that we weren't uh, being taken very seriously. But once we committed to making record, there was no thought of going back. The tracking sessions took place on April 1st in 1985. Uh, at the uh, Sound City in L.A., in addition to having two drummers, Vinnie Peace and Frankie Benali, there was also supposed to be another bass player beside Jimmy Bain and another guitarist besides Vivian Campbell. The two other musicians, Nikki Six and Brian May, were no-shows. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Nikki. Nikki, always good for nothing. Yeah, no-show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark comments, Wendy gave me a call and said, you've got to come out for the May 20th and 21st sessions at the Hollywood A&M studios because I was on the East coast. I said, sure, I'd be honored, whatever you want to do with these photos. So it, it can help raise awareness. Also rid this heavy metal stigma of the black sheep of the rock and roll family. That would be so nice too. So they flew me out. Guitar guitar solos were scheduled to be recorded at a regular interval during the day of recording on May 20th. Neil Sean being the first around noon. He called me at 630 in the morning to tell me that he had the flu and I apparently told him to go back to sleep and we would book him on a later flight. Back then you could do that at will. When he did arrive much later in the day, he entertained the troops with his impression of Bruce Springsteen singing, We Are the World. (laughs) Uh, Mark says, for me as a photographer, I was like a kid in the candy store. It was like 
anywhere I turned, I had a photograph looking at the pictures now in the book. It's amazing that I was able to capture those moments. It was moments caught in time, as Ronnie James Dio would once say. Everyone was shockingly punctual, dedicated. Virtually everyone arrived on time. Some brought from the Holiday Inn by a Hollywood fantasy tour bus double-decker. Only Michael McKeon was late because he was shooting the film Clue at the Paramount. He changed in his spinal tap gear in the men's room. I like the spinal tap guys. I thought that was crazy that they came. Spinal tap was like the real stars there. You know, everyone was swapping stories because everyone that uh, happened because everything that happened in the movie was probably happened to all of the at least half of those bands in real life. We thought they were perfect. How they got involved was a woman named Harriet Sternberg, I guess, managed them. And she worked uh, with Ken Cregan. I first met Spinal Tap when they did their first walk-on interview in MTV a few months earlier, Mark says. They just said that they were in this band from England and everyone uh, went with the whole thing and I thought they were a real band. I kind of schmoozed up then trying to like get a gig out of it. And then later on, I found out that the Michael guy was on Laverne and Shirley. <laughs> oh yeah. He was what Lenny. Yeah. He was Lenny, Lenny and Squiggy. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they knew how to play the part. And when they walked into the A&M studios, they were in character. They had their wigs on. I remember them being interviewed and I, think to think of one of the lines was this is like one big black leather metallic family when they asked him how he felt about being there right (laughs) at 10 p.m ronnie prepared to rehearse the choir and appointed quiet riots uh kevin dubrow to keep order because he had the loudest voice i remember that when they were doing the chorus and it was like 40 of them there and kevin was front and center take taking the stage kidding around he was a good guy and a good friend of mine kevin at the time and probably till the day he died god rest his soul people didn't like him because he always spoke his mind he was the nicest guy but he was the loudest guy and to see him with all those artists not that he had any qualms with any of them but you know he always thought he was the best and that everyone didn't give him credit for what he had done which was really paved the way for a lot of rock bands as the first heavy metal band to go number one on the billboard charts, uh, credit where credit is due, but he never got it. Mm. Ronnie was shocked that the choir actually sounded like one. Remember many of them were not singers, but he was concerned about the announciation of we're stars. It's not we're studs. (laughs) It sounds more like, weird stars which is probably true rob halford sang a full octave above everyone else (laughs) it was a real exciting time and there were no egos involved everybody just wanted to do it to raise money for africa there was no rivalry everybody was there with their heart as i find most musicians i know are always uh they're giving their heart uh with all of my charity work and their time and their talent too. There was beauty of this kind of, there was beauty of this kind of music. There isn't any rivalry. There isn't any need to check your ego at the door. Uh, We are the world sessions 
like the We Are the World sessions had because everyone loved everyone. I mean, maybe once in a while, one of them stole another person's girlfriend or something, but that's about it. <laughs> Ken Cragen surprise, surprisingly showed up because he felt like this was a continuation of something he had started in a way. When Ken arrived, everyone started singing We Are the World to him. Everyone was there for hours and hours. They stayed around even when they weren't going to play just to watch the other artists. It was a remarkable couple of days. Ronnie and Don Dawkins, they went back a while, and I remember them playing off other off each other, joking around. I think Don made some kind of a joke about one of Ronnie's lyrics, like Rainbow in the Dark, because that's so Ronnie James Dio. He always talks about Rainbow, so Don put the lyric in there, we all want to touch a rainbow just for a rainbow reference. And then Ronnie <laughs> chuckled and said, Hey, GQ, Hey, GQ is waiting for your photo shoot because Don was dressed up in a white suit, like a GQ look. That was a good laugh for everyone. <laughs> uh, stars was finished and mastered in the following weeks before Dio left on tour in the early August of 1985. There was a couple of reasons for its delayed release. First of all, we were st still hoping to add some additional people to the record, like the manager of Iron Maiden realized that he probably made a mistake by not committing them to be a part of the project. So members of Iron Maiden ended up doing one of the guitar parts, but they weren't there for the chorus recording. One of the people that we wanted to get was Jimmy Page. A recording session in Philadelphia was set up for July 14th because Jimmy Page said he would record a guitar solo on the record that day mm -hmm. after Live Aid. Led Zeppelin was playing at Live Aid, and we'd gotten a commitment from his manager that he would do the guitar part if we could record it in a Philadelphia studio. I found a recording studio to donate their staff to this recording, and Ronnie and Wendy flew in. Then Jimmy decided not to do it. <laughs> so Jimmy went and hung out with Nikki six in the somewhere else land. Apparently he canceled that afternoon after we arrived in Philadelphia and no reason was given. Dick. Also for the people that were involved, you had to get releases from their record labels, from their management, from all that. That's what takes time. It's not the artist. The art artists gave their arm and a leg for you, but you've got to clear it with their business aspect of it. Ugh. Wendy brought the project to Polygram Records and they wanted it, but they decided that it would do better if it was an album. So then the process began getting donated tracks, which is funny way, which in a funny way was a precursor to the Dio tribute album. This is your life, which Wendy put together in 2014 to benefit Dio's stand up and shout cancer fund. We spent six months getting donated tracks to make here an eight album with the stars track as the single. I don't know if there's been another album like this with donated tracks at this point. Polygram uh, records was originally going to release it in September, but we were going to re-release band-aid. Do you know that that it's Christmas pretty much at the same time? So they decided to, to delay it. <laughs> Jesus. It probably it's a clusterfuck. Yeah. Well, again, it's all business. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got to get their fingers in the pie, I guess. 
Yeah, I guess so. It probably comes down to radio. Let's face it, a lot of the metal bands that got on the radio, it was either a ballad or some other pop and commercial stars was just really a heavy metal song. Maybe it was just wasn't meant to be a commercial song, but I'm surprised it did it didn't do well, to be honest with you. Why wouldn't it? After all, those people are on it. Today, it would have done good because of social media. Everyone would be blasting out. But back then, we just relied on a company to do it, and that company wasn't behind it. Hmm. It's certainly possible that the delay with stars not coming out until January of 86. So th- this thing was you know, more than a year in the making. Right. It took it took the momentum away. There was a lot of publicity going on around the recording. We had a press conference when we were done with it, and there was a big story in the LA Times. A lot of music magazines had covered it too, but there was probably a fundraising record every two or three months at that point. Right. But we raised money and we actually did a clever thing because I think we are the world sent the money and a lot of the money got eaten up by the government. So so we bought farm machinery and sent that to Africa. Okay. So instead of sending money, they actually bought the machinery and then shipped that. Nice. All right. Uh, Hearing Aid raised $1.2 million from the record, the video and merchandise sales and direct donations. I felt that those uh, photographs needed to be part of my book, says Mark Weiss, because the book is a visual history of how hard rock and heavy metal uh, kind of changed Sabbath and priest at the live eight here in aid farm aid and where Bon Jovi was at the Moscow peace festival, the PMRC at hearings. But that is the way that the metal world uh, is, isn't it? We always get left behind and it's only the real true fans that were there uh, buying or listening to it. If you ask any true metal fan, they know about here in aid if you ask the mainstream, no, they don't know about it because that's not mainstream. Yeah, well, true. So there you go. So it there wasn't you. quite as popular as you and I might have thought it was because <laughs> they had to jump through a lot of hoops to get that actually released. Well, it was popular with me. I played the shit out of it mm-hmm. when it came out. The whole album was good. It had the... The, the kiss, um, heavens on fire. I think that was really a good live version of it. And had some good songs on it. If you check your email, dude, if, if you're into doing this, I know we're beating the shit out of, out of these tribute songs, mm-hmm. but I sent you, um, two emails with, I think four different versions of we're stars, um, cover ones. One is, a one's a Korean version <laughs> All right. One is just a bunch of fucking knotheads doing it. One is something that just got recorded. I haven't even heard any of these. Okay. So we're we're just kind of rushing rouletting a little bit, but one is is the 2020 one that's recorded for the frontline for the frontline heroes. All right. All right. So I, well, before before I get that, we got a yeah. email from Gary uh, Scadra. Okay. He said Stars is the only one of those charity songs that's that is still listenable today. Wendy Dio said a couple years ago Here and Aid would be re-released as a deluxe edition. I saw Autograph open up for Van Halen in 1984 in Richmond, Virginia when I was 12. 
Nobody knew who they were yet as radio hadn't played Turn Up the Radio. I do remember David Lee Roth holding up a bra thrown on stage and saying, that's too big to be Valerie's. Of course, (laughs) referring to Eddie Van Halen's wife and TV star Valerie Bertinelli. Nice. All right. All right. Well, here's some of the stars covers. Uh, This first one is the Korean version. I guess I, I wrote Korea next to it. Yeah. So we'll we'll listen to this. All right. Who cries for the children? Korean, he sounds pretty damn good. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, you might put him up there instead of the hologram. No shit. This guy could front to you. He does. He's this guy's a this guy's a Korean, and these yeah. are all Korean musicians uh, doing this here in aid tribute cover. Yeah, I, I have not heard it, so I, I just found it. But. All right. Well, this was recorded in 2015, so this is five yeah. years already. Yep. All right. Here we go. <laughs> off that Jeff T. <laughs> wow. So far, only one embarrassing one. The one is a, a, a calling in the night or whatever. Yeah, he, he's the thing. Paul Shortino guy. Yeah, he did the he did the R's instead of L's or yeah, whatever. He, he's got the gravelly vocals. He's the Paul Shortino knockoff guy. We're carring you, carring you. Exactly. Oh, these guys are kicking ass, though. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, I like it. guy we might need to find out what band he's in holy shit that guy can bring it he does i like it 
guy got a high, high range. He does. He kicks ass, man. (laughs) He's very passionate on that mic, too. Good for Mr. Him or Kim or you or whatever his name is. Right. in korea all they had was hip-hop boy they fucking learned something in 30 years holy shit these guys, they, these guys are hardcore you know i'm looking at you know obviously the video because this is all on uh youtube right but, but these guys are just like really hardcore you know rock guys because they wear all the jewelry and the earrings and the hair right. and you know, all that shit well, good for them but obviously they love it yeah well I love it. That's pretty fucking good. It is. It's smoking. Yeah. All right. Well, this next one, you just call 20 random people. Yeah. I don't know. It's just 20 dudes. All right. Just some dudes just doing a cover. Yeah. All right. We'll see what uh, these guys bring. I have no idea who's involved here, but okay. It's just some dudes covering stars. Yeah. All right. Here we go.
these guys sound like a little bit like they're on helium or something. Yeah, my goodness. You know, I hope they get their money back for the boom box they recorded. <laughs> Holy yeah, folks. yeah, the production isn't quite as good as the last one. No, definitely not. They're no, they're no gooks, that's for sure. <laughs> so far, I got to give it to the Koreans. Koreans are are winning so far. Yeah. They have two. <laughs> so the, those are just some 20 random people, as you put it. Yeah, 20 random guys. All right. Well, here's uh, somebody else. I have no idea who these people are. I don't know. As you as you labeled it, another random one. Yeah, I don't know who these guys are either. All right. Let's see what these guys bring. All right. All right. I do like this. They're, they're shooting at the uh, Anaheim uh, Convention Center at NAMM. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Who cries for the children? I do. So this guy is from a band called Immortal Guardian. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so, so he's throwing the whole death metal vocals on this. Wow, that threw a shockwave in me. Yeah, I, I had no idea. <laughs> he looks like Robert Trujillo. Oh, nice. This guy's name is Carlos Zima, kind of like the clear uh, alcohol drink. Nice. Uh, Immortal Guardian. Sounds good to me. Alright, this guy, his name is Trey Xavier. Oh, that's a different guy? Yeah, this is another guy. Uh his his name, his band is called Gear Gods. Right. So they're mixing the death metal guys with the high end guys. Yeah, the, well, the 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 chick, the the one that was actually singing normal, that was actually a black chick. Okay. All right. So I think they're going to do this whole trade off vocals where they have like melodic sounding people with growly people. All right. Good. I like it. All right. The story was All right, this that chick was named VK Lynn from the band The Spider Accomplice. Okay. These people with their band names. Now, this is a chick singing. All right. Right here. 
I like it. Some blonde chick. She's doing the whole growly vocal thing. Okay. All right, here we go. So what I what I'm gathering from this video, yeah, it appears to me like they actually recorded this at uh, some of the recording booths at NAM. Okay, this is because they're they're taking uh, video and photos of them actually standing on the uh, stairs, the stairways, and in the uh, sound booths at the various NAM uh, displays. Someone should have stomped on those thumb drives on the way away from those. <laughs> so it looks, it looks like they just sort of like uh, put this whole hodgepodge of, you know, video and vocal together. Yeah, this is not so good. No, I, I'm going to give it to the Koreans. Yeah, so far the Koreans. Now you should have one more email with the one. That's yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm getting through here. Let's get rid of these people. All right, so they're done. Get rid of them. Yeah. All right, uh, what was this? Stars cover 2020 for the frontline workers? Yeah. You didn't send her a link, though. Oh, I didn't? Mm-mm. What the fuck is wrong with me? Uh, resend it. Okay. Copy link address. Pose. Well, for the, for the metal people, obviously, this kind of, you know, is is memorable but you know after reading that uh, article with uh mark weiss the photographer mm-hmm. uh apparently it wasn't as popular as we thought it was no surprised you haven't had weiss on the show well we could get a hold of him i'm sure uh, well i mean we he just did talking metal did he, he did Talking metal live i think last night all right well, well we can reach out to our good friend mark and say hey buddy well, let's let's reach out to Mark Weiss and find out about his book. Because right, I, I would actually like to get a copy of that. Well, let's find out. All right, here we go. All right. This is Weird Stars, Long Island. Oh. And this is a dedication to our frontline stars. And to all who have lost their lives during this devastating COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, pal. All right.
thoughts. If I was one of these frontline workers that this was for, I'd start making out with COVID patients. <laughs> so you're still going with the Koreans. Koreans all the way. Oh, yeah. The, the vocals, some of these people are not even singers on this song. No, they, they definitely are not. I mean, this this is just regular people. Hey, let's get 20 people together and, and sing this song. Right. That's not good at all. Mm-mm. All right. Well, it's very clear that these are just like local band people. Sure. And they're just sort of like collaborating. Mm-hmm. But but I'm with you. I'm with the Koreans. Yep, I'm Korean all the way. Yep. So Kim Jong-un, don't fuck mm-hmm. with our Korean South Korean friends. Yeah. Because they kicked ass. Yeah. Don't be blowing them up or nothing. We like them. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we'll get out of this uh, segment. We'll play the full. Uh, we'll play the full version of the Koreans. All right, that'll work. And we'll come back and we'll do more stuff. All right, sounds good. All right. This, these are the Korean stars from nineteen right. or actually two thousand and fifteen, rather, uh, doing a cover of stars. I think they do a great job, and and their production is great, and they sound fantastic. So uh, let's give it up for the the koreans and doing a american classic from 35 years ago so here it is it's uh the koreans with we're stars exclusively here on your classic metal show <laughs> <laughs> 